Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. another edition of Covered in Glory, where we have a action-packed weekend in soccer, though they are all action-packed. If you pack a little action at Caesar Sportsbook, how about that, Brett? Did I just break the record for fastest plug in podcast history? I think I got a shot at it. Uh, I mean, you could have just, instead of doing your normal yell, you could have just screamed, Caesars! And then, <laughs> then you would have the fastest plug right there. So, our, I, our I think there's, there's room, but this is, the, this is the best part, there's room for improvement. Always room for improvement, especially on this show. So excited to be back with everybody. We will be uh, doing a review of the Premier League, but we will also be continuing our study abroad program this week. And I think this is the one that Brett has been waiting for. So we got four games from the Premier League, and then we are heading over for a little Oktoberfest action in Germany. Finally, Brett, finally we get to the Bundesliga, which makes this weekend particularly action-packed. So for our friends at home, for our listeners at home, will you please tell them why you love the Bundesliga so much? (laughs) Well, um, I mean, I think anybody would love the Bundesliga because goals, that's where you go these days in in soccer. If you want to see goals, you're heading over to Germany. Um, One of our our friends at ESPN, Bill Connolly, usually does a bunch of really great stuff for college football. Actually, we timed this perfectly. Uh, Just did a great Bundesliga review. And in that review... Uh, Connolly points out that goal scoring, which was already pretty high in the Bundesliga, is actually up 15% already. She said German teams are, quote, currently averaging an absurd 1.8 goals per match. So if you are going to see the back of the net bulge, it is going to be watching German teams play. They play fast in transition. They don't have any good defensive midfielders. It is a recipe for just end-to-end action. Do they even have center backs? Like I was watching the Bundesliga getting ready for this show and Harry Kane hit a ball from his own. It felt like his own half and it went through the center of the pitch, dead center, like right down the spine. It bounced four times, like four times and no defender was within 10 yards of the ball. So like if they are not in the center of the pitch when the ball is being advanced and being played into the box, where are they during the match? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of the confluence of a bunch of things. Um, I think it's the fact that they're like because of the fact that this this league has traditionally not produced like a bunch of sturdy holding midfielders anymore. Um, like Joshua Kimmich has been masquerading as a six uh, for the, the best team in the league for a long time that you you get more exposure to these center backs. And then the systems are typically outside of te- a team like Union Berlin, who kind of went uh, zigged when everybody else zagged. Um, you don't get a lot of teams that are playing like packed in conservative styles. They're stretching the field. They're pressing aggressively. So you get center backs isolated in 40 yards of space. And not, I mean, not every team has, you know, a peak Virgil van Dyke to eat up all that room, right? So you're getting teams like uh, VC Bochum who have, who knows, playing center back, isolated against Harry Kane, and that's why they lose 7-0 to Bayern Munich, right? Um, so in some ways, you have to applaud their aggressiveness, but in other ways, you look at things like that where strikers are running on goal with goal one-on-ones from 40 yards out, and you're like, something doesn't seem right here. 
There it also like there was like a video game level glitch. At one point, a defender on Bochum just passed the ball to a Bayern attacker in the box and then immediately wiped him out to draw a penalty. Like it looked legitimately like a video game glitch. If that was happening in FIFA, you would throw your controller against the wall and hit reset because it was too ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, this is what is happening on Saturdays and Sundays down in Germantown. It is completely wild and also completely hilarious. Yeah, and I mean the 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 thing about the German league too that's interesting is they have the 50 plus 1 rule which I think is generally like a really good thing for the sport in Germany um but it also caps their ability to have spending power and they don't have the massive TV deal like the Premier League does. So Will you the, bo- the 50 plus 1 rule please. It's just essentially like it's fan ownership. So so big entities and teams have come around this like like part of the reason like RB Leipzig <laughs> kind of gets a bad rap is they work ways around this sometimes, but it essentially means that like no big ownership entity can come in and buy a controlling stake in a team. It's always going to sort of be fan owned uh, by like a board. They'll always have they'll always have the ability to outrake any entity that comes in. Now, a team like RB Leipzig, I think they did it with like the number of board members where like usually it's like around 200 some and they have like 20 and that's why like they're effectively just owned by Red Bull. Um, And that it was a huge deal when they first came into the German league. Like most German fans don't really like RB Leipzig as far as like a national thing um, because they, they skate around that rule. I think it'd be great if it was instituted globally and we'd see more balance throughout the leagues. We'd stop seeing some of these things where these, obviously these huge foreign investment countries come in and buy soccer clubs. Like that would pretty much eliminate the ability for them to do that. But it also weakens the back end of those German teams. So those German teams that are fighting for relegation spots are far weaker than most in most of the other leagues. And so you have this team like Bayern who has won that league 10 or 11 times in a row and are in the Champions League every year. They have Champions League money. They're one of the biggest brands in global soccer. And then on the other end, you have maybe some of the poorer teams in the top five league. So you have this huge discrepancy as well throughout the league. I it's funny you just mentioned promotion and relegation. Like I don't watch a lot of second division German soccer, but it's like both sides just rolling out like zero zero eleven formations. Like what are the tactics that happen in second division? If this is what we're seeing in first division. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think like you you do get some of these crazy. Um, I don't want to say experiments is the wrong word, but you definitely are going to get teams that are, are probably going to be more on the aggressive side nature of that. I don't think you're getting full on just like ten attackers and one goalie, um, but you're definitely just getting these. Oh, I said of, eleven. I said zero zero. Oh, you, oh you, yeah, you said they pulled either. the goalie. No, it's right, eleven yeah. on each side. We have a pulled goalie scenario here. No, but you you do you do just get these teams that basically play kind of. Of like like uh, Leipzig does now. They'll play these four two two twos. I think I think I have the correct number of twos in there. Where it's like two strikers, two attacking midfielders, two holding midfielders, and then like a back four. And those are designed to be these like hyper aggressive pressing schemes. That's like kind of the optimal pressing formation. Uh, anybody who watched uh, uh, Leeds under Jesse Marsh would have seen the same exact thing that was going on there. So you definitely, you know, heard the feedback from the Marsh games where he was getting annihilated trying to use that aggressive pressing system. So you see more like top end heavy things like that, things that kind of like skew the typical solidity things that you find, which is, you know, back threes or a bunch of holding midfielders that are ball winners in exchange for guys that just run a lot, that press a lot, that attack, that can exploit space, which is why you get these super open things. And I I think the second division is probably going to be a little bit more extreme, though. I can't pretend that I'm an expert on second division Bundesliga soccer. 
Dude, it's super fun to watch, though. I mean, it's on ESPN+. Plus. You can tune into any of these games. It's like the closest analogy I could come up to it for the soccer world is like the old when we were growing up, like the old Mountain West football games where like San Diego State would play BYU. Yeah, it'd be on at like 11 o'clock. At 11 p.m. You're like, what? This isn't the same sport I've been watching all day. That's how the Bundesliga feels. So if you're like one of those fan contingents, like, oh, I just can't get into soccer. There's not enough action. Let me introduce you to Germany, friends. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, nothing but action in that league. And, and one of the best matches that I've seen this this season so far uh, was Leverkusen and, and Bayern. Um, that was a super fun, exciting 2-2 draw. Um, I mean, that as far as my money goes, I mean, I've seen a lot, a couple of pretty good ones, but that would definitely be in my top three or five. So, all right. Well, I think we're going to see another good one this weekend when RB Leipzig does take on Bayern. We will talk about that after the second break, but we will run through the four top Premier League games before then. And thankfully, thankfully, we are rotating Chelsea out this week. Do not have to listen to me bellyache about the billionaire club in London. You can hear me bellyache about everything else in the league for one. So let's give Caesar some love and then we'll get right to that. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gambling helpline ma.org michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia ohio pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or west virginia 1-800-GAMBLER.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, we are back, and we are going to run through the Premier League, starting with Tottenham and Liverpool. Tottenham is fourth at 14 points versus Liverpool, second at 16 points. This game is Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Liverpool is plus 121. Tottenham is plus 185. The draw is plus 290. Liverpool minus half a goal is plus 110. The Spurs are minus 140 for the double chance. Right, this game's really interesting, right? Because the range of performances for these two teams in any given game are among the highest in the entire league. Like Liverpool on their day looks like the clear second-best team in, in uh, England. But then you see McAllister get muscled off the ball by James Ward-Prowse, and it's hard to take them seriously at all. Meanwhile, Spurs remain near the top of the table, yet I swear, and it's not just because I always want to fade them, I swear when I watch them, I think they are the ninth or tenth-best team at best and are a son or Madison injury away from relative delegation quality and his son like we debate whether he's washed every week and is somehow the linchpin of the team so how are you supposed to handicap a game with two teams that have this much variety in their locker oh i don't know i mean if i did know i'd be making more money and living in a better place <laughs> i mean uh that's a great question i mean i don't know how you assess the volatility i mean um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of just the fact that Ange Postacoglu is just like messing things up for us, uh, in this sense, because he really is just given no F's. It's a no F's approach for, for Spurs. Um, and then going into this match though, I mean, I, I like, it's great that they're going against Liverpool, but it also, I also feel bad because we're going to give the same analysis. I think the come from behind stuff is like where you want to go in these matches, right? Like if variance is going to be all over the place if outcomes can be anywhere. You know, you're going to see, see score lines flip constantly. You know, teams are going to – that the, the underdog is going to score first. The favorite could roar back. If it's at home for the underdog, you're going to see the late goals. There's going to be lots of chances. Lots of chances leads to a little bit more variance in the outcome. Like, I think those are – I think that's the play, right? I mean, it's, it's – it's, I guess, ironic that it's with Liverpool, you know, not some other team that we're talking about this. But I think those are the plays that come from behind wins, come from behind draws, like – let the chances just like let the variance of the the increased number of chances just kind of play in your favor. So you think would you take both sides of the come from behind? Is that what you're saying? Or I mean, is there a window? I haven't done the math, but I mean, there probably is a window where you could bet both sides. Uh, you well, know, of course the there is because yeah. it, it's typically plus three hundred on the win or draw. It's typically plus like five to seven hundred on the come behind to win. So if you take both sides, you're in the black. 
Is that what you're advocating, or is there one side or the other that you would take here on this? Well, I mean, you're you're obviously limiting your like EV if you're betting. You know, it's like kind of hedging your bets in in that way. But I mean, I think it's like a it's a good way. I would think it's a good way to ensure some profitability in match like this, right? Like, I don't think I think you're. It's like raising your floor, lowering. Am I saying that right? Yeah, raising raising your floor, lowering your ceiling. I think that's the right analogy I'm going for here. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you're not ensuring anything because, like, if the team that scores the first goal ends up winning the match, yeah, winning then, the match, right? Then you lose both bets. But you're talking about the variance, and I agree with you. I'm just trying to dig into your psyche here. Are you thinking whoever scores first is just as likely to win or lose here, or do you think one team or the other will come from behind, and you should only take one side of the equation? I would say it's sticking to one side of the equation is always the best play, right? Um, I think like if you're going to stick with Spurs, you're riding Spurs, come back to win or draw bets. Um, I would say that the underdog in this match, which are Spurs, I would say the draw, the come from behind to draw bet would be more attractive um, and maybe doing a little bit of both, you know, like a unit on <clears throat> come from behind to draw and then a, like a half a unit on come from behind to win would be an interesting play. Um, just because of the, the odd spike that you'll get from the win equity. So I think that's a way you could play it, but I definitely wouldn't like play both sides. Yeah. Okay. Well, Salah remains the creative force without TAA and Nunez missed a gilded edge chance to win my assist bet last week. And Diaz blew another strong opportunity almost immediately thereafter. So I still feel great about Salah as a playmaker and his anytime assist number, even if it didn't hit, I thought the analysis was solid and staring at these numbers and staring at them. I did because I was so kind of paralyzed by the amount of variance. At the end of it, I think Liverpool still represents decent value here at plus 121. They got Van Dyke back to give him just a little steal, and the Spurs benefited tremendously from Arsenal mistakes in the North London Derby without looking that impressive in open play to me personally. Of course, your boy Basuma and Madison could punish Poole for playing McAllister out of position, so the danger in the bet comes from a quick turnover leading to another Sun goal on the transition. But on the other side, Spurs back line have zero answer for Darwin Nunez. So as long as he starts, and you have to check the lineups, as long as Nunez starts, I like Poole to come out ahead. I like Nunez on the goal sheet at plus 160, and I also still like the Salah anytime assist at plus 310. Yeah, I mean, those are all great bets. Um, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I had a lot of fun watching the North London Derby. Um, I thought that was a just a fun match, and as we kind of talked about in the show, I Spurs watchability has gone way up this season. Um, but I, but I also think that, you know, kind of in my own internal power rankings in my head, which is a dangerous place to be, um, is that I, I have Liverpool as the second best team, uh, the, the premier league, uh, expected goal difference, uh, has them as the second best team in the league. And I think Spurs are somewhere down in that seventh best team area, probably fighting Villa around for that. Um, so like. I, this is this is a clear mismatch to me. It's a really good team, and Liverpool is built to punish teams that play like Spurs. I mean, this is like this is literally just playing to their hands. Like where Pascaglu is going to probably add value to a team like Spurs with the style this year is like matches that maybe turn into draws against Crystal Palace. They create more chances where it favors them, and they win those types of matches more. Playing this kind of up and down style with the way that Liverpool is and the attackers that Liverpool has is going to be trouble. So the fact that you're getting plus money on the Liverpool money line 
I couldn't shy away from that. Like I, you, I just had to take it. I think they're a clearly better team. I think Spurs have gotten a little fortunate in their results, uh, even with their goals. So like one way to look at XG is like the, the total sum of the chances, right? So another stat to look at is called expected threat. And so expected threat is sort of like how often is the ball getting played into dangerous areas? So like all those passes that you see, Toby, that go into the box and like no one's there to get on the end of them. Expected threat will show you that type of thing. And expected goals is simply did a shot come at the end of it? What was the value of that shot? So against Arsenal in particular, Spurs turn like a lot of expected goal chances from a little bit like lower expected threat. So basically they took a little bit, they, they were a little fortunate with the amount of possession that they had to create the actual chances that they did. And it's stuff like that that doesn't come out necessarily in like XG differential, especially in the short term, that'll kind of tell you that maybe this team is overperforming a little bit. And that's why like Liverpool at plus money is just so like so hard for me to get away from. But because of the style of play, you already know where the prop bet's going, Toby. It is the Liverpool come from behind win, and that's oh, yeah. all the way up at plus 625. Um, because just because of the fact that Spurs have gotten maybe gotten fortunate up to this point, and there's some numbers that you can look at underlying that'll let you see that maybe that they're not as good as they are, they still absolutely have the ability to break through the Liverpool back line, score early, and put Liber- and make Liverpool have to be on the front foot and come back and try to win. Expected threat sounds more like what you get on Twitter comments after you give out a defender to score and anybody follows your advice. <laughs> yes, but apparently exactly. It's a statistic as or well. anytime I wrote about college basketball for Grantland, that was pretty much expected. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our next game in the other half of last week's exciting North London Derby. Uh, Bournemouth 17th at three points versus Arsenal 5th at 14 points Saturday at 10 a.m. Arsenal is minus 200. Bournemouth is plus 480. The draw is plus 350. Our friends at Caesars have Arsenal in the adjusted line minus a goal and a half at plus 125 and Bournemouth in minus 160. So, Brett, before we dive uh, any deeper into this, do you want to empty the notebook at all? Do you have any other thoughts on the Arsenal side from the North London Derby last week? Not really. Um... I, that team, they're just weird to me, Toby. You know, like the, the Declan Rice turned out to be great. Kai Havertz is looking like a signing that was a waste of money. Um, I'm not quite sure how good Martinelli is going to be. Their, you know, their performance was like okay against a team I thought they would rip through a little bit better. Um, I, I can't, I just can't, I don't know if it's just me. Is it just me? But I can't put my finger on their pulse. Like they're just, yeah. they've been, I think this has been a thing too. Like we had trouble with them or I had trouble with them. Like in, the, in our past years of the show too. I just can never like feel like I got a really good beat on where Arsenal's at. Yeah. I mean, when we started the show a few years ago, I was playing like under Arsenal corners all the time because their style was so like through the middle and kind of boring and dull. And uh, I I profited from that bet, but then Saka came into his own uh, Martinelli. I mean, it sounds like you're down on him, but we've certainly spent episodes of the show, like praising his, uh, I'm not, I'm not down on him. I'm just like not that. quite sure. Like, is he a superstar? Is he a solid premier league player? Like it's like, Trying to figure that part of it out. Yeah. And Jesus really hasn't gotten going quite this year. And I think that's part of this whole thing, right? So we're paying attention to the attacking band. Uh, we are both just 
you know, can't stop slobbering over Odegaard. Rice has been great. And their back hasn't been as challenged as I was expecting because, like, the, the goals they gave up last week, Raya, or sorry, Raya made an incredible save. And then two minutes later, he made an error not tipping that ball over uh, the bar. Like, he had an opportunity to tip that cross over the bar, and instead he put it back into the mixer. And that led to the Sun opener. Uh, I know Ramsdale fans must have been happy even if it cost their team because I think Ramsdale claims that ball or it puts it over the bar. Um, but more importantly, Brett, I mean, like we talked a lot about the Arsenal bench last week and the Arsenal bench, I think is going to continue to be a thing and, and has led me to a lot of my thoughts on this team, particularly with the injury crisis that seems to be taking hold right there. Like right before the show came on, you started reading me their injury list. And I didn't think we were ever going to get to tape. I thought we were going to run out of time because <laughs> you had all these names to rattle off, but if they're, if they're having to bring guys like Jorginho in, Jorginho cost them that game. Like he was playing around on the ball and just got straight ripped, which led to the second goal. And he might be on the team of the season in Italy next year, but he's done at the Premier League level. That was absolutely atrocious. And I'm just glad he wasn't wearing blue when he did it. I can't imagine the Red fans were overly thrilled with how casual he was that led to that that uh, calamitous outcome. And I thought overall Arsenal looked sluggish in the second half in open play. And as long as they don't have these impact subs, as long as Trossard's not there or Martinelli's not there, depending on who starts, and as long as they continue to have these uh, injury crises that puts Havertz into the front line and like threatens their depth to really step up, I think they're going to struggle a little bit. They have to get Jesus. They have to get him going uh, so they don't need a late push to get the three points. They got to get going from the jump. And if they do that, I think they'll hang around at the top of the table. If they don't, then like Liverpool's going to eat their lunch, maybe even Newcastle and uh, some other squads have an opportunity to blow past them. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, I mean, that's kind of like, you just basically gave the argument for like, why are you spending $80 million on Kai Havertz to play a midfield position when that money could have been distributed in ways that gave him a little bit more depth, um, especially because it seems like guys like Emile Smith-Rowe, uh, even Reese Nelson, like, seems like they've fallen out of favor with Arteta. They're they're not guys that he really wants to play. Um so that that was like that signing, I think, in, in that sense, when you talk about their depth, like that is going to be the thing to me that I think we look back on and be like that money could have been distributed differently and given them more, if that makes sense. Oh, I mean, it completely makes sense. Like we just saw this in the NBA, right? Like, you know, the uh, the Suns turned Aiton into four pieces because they wanted depth rather than the one guy and they thought they were wasting the money on Aiton. So there's certainly logic behind what you're saying. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't know, man, like if Saka's out and they're running Kai Havertz in the front line, like they're running a two man front line and they just have a third guy on the pitch. Uh, I don't know if he'll drop deep and have link up play, but I don't, I don't know. Like, it doesn't feel like he's a natural fit next to Enkedia in the middle. And then Jesus is out on the left when he should be the one in the middle. It sounds like I'm trashing Arsenal. It really does, which makes it weird that I, I still gravitate towards um, taking their money line here. I don't would not take their adjusted line. If I was to play either side of the adjusted line, I would play Bournemouth. But Bournemouth is a decent team to get going against. Like Brighton and Liverpool both beat them three to one. Tottenham beat them two nil. And it seems like it's going to be a very open game. Like Caesars has the over under at three and a half. And if it's going to be that wide open and they think there's going to be that many goals, I, I like Arsenal to come out on the money line, but I would not like them to like 3-1, 4-2, even 2-0 or anything like that. 
So I will play them on the money line, but of course I won't play them naked on the money line. You know what I'm doing, doing what I always do. Odegaard <laughs> shot on target. Odegaard shot on target plus the Arsenal money line gets you up to plus 117. And the other prop I like, Brett, before you uh, shoot all this down on take the Bournemouth line is the first goal for Arsenal happening in the first 30 minutes. Them scoring in the first 30 minutes is a plus number, plus 105. And if there's going to be four goals in this match and they don't have any subs, they've got to score early. And they've actually been pretty good at that over the last, uh, over this campaign and the last campaign. So that's what I like this week in this game. My sole request is that if you continue to cash Martin Odegaard bets, that you just have to do an entire show in like a Viking outfit. Like use your funds, go to a Halloween store. It's around that time of year. Just do a full on cosplay of like a Viking thing and make your Odegaard pits. That's what I want. I need Maybe some I'm, of that money redistributed into that. Maybe I'm Danish. You think I'm not wearing Viking stuff already in the closet? You think I got to go to a Halloween store? <laughs> Come on, that's my heritage. <laughs> well, I'll let you out yourself on that there. Um, but no, I, I'm actually with you on the on the, on the the Odegaard bet. As far as the other thing, Bournemouth is going to be interesting to me. I don't think they're going to be a team that I have a lot of faith in until they get a midfielder like the currently injured Tyler Adams that can actually win the ball back. But they've sort of hung within one expected goal's worth of chances in all their matches so far. Um, which I don't, I hate the number like minus 160 for plus 1.5 for Bournemouth. Like it makes me want to puke in a trash can, but I don't, like you said, I, I don't really feel super confident in the value of the Arsenal money line. Definitely not taking them on the adjusted line. Definitely not taking the Bournemouth money line. Uh, so this is kind of where I like ended up by default. Um, I think they can cover. I think they'll keep it close. If Tyler Adams was here, I think it would make a lot of difference in where I would stick my money. But the one place I will do it is with the tenuous uh, uh, possibility of Rice playing, Martinelli playing, Saka playing, and Trussard playing. Uh, Parte and Jurian Timber, who is a big signing for them, um, are out with long-term injuries. So they're definitely out. The penalty situation for Arsenal gets interesting, Toby. Mm. And I think... If those key guys, especially Odegaard, Martinelli right? and Saka, if they are out, I would assume that Odegaard takes the yeah. pen as long as Jorginho isn't playing. So mm. he's plus 200 as an anytime. This is very much a lineup dependent bet. This is like you have to wake up, see the starting 11, and see what's going on here. But I think there's penalty equity in this game more than normal because of Arsenal's style and Bournemouth's lack of ability to kind of win the ball back. I think the yeah. penalty chances are increasing with that. So if you can kind of like take advantage of the injury situation for Arsenal and make an educated guess on their penalty taker, like plus 200 just for Odegaard to score from open play, I wouldn't like. With penalty equity, I think has value. So it counts as a shot on target. So it puts me one more uh, one more shiny gold thing on my Viking outfit. So yeah, if you do have an extra set of the horned helmets, I can send it my way. I'll wear it. But yeah, that's where uh, that's where my that's my prop bet. Cool. One other one I like, Brett, and uh, you inspire me every, each and every week, of course. But uh, with all this come from behind to win talk, I was something I was on a lot last year. But you've definitely taken over that corner. It's not a bad shout here for Arsenal. 
Um, because I already talked about them scoring in the first 30 minutes, but Bournemouth's not a, exactly a stranger to an early goal either. In the last five games, there's been a, a goal in the first 30 minutes of a Bournemouth game. Four of the last five Arsenal games, there have been a score in the first 30 minutes. And if Bournemouth is the one who grabs it, then uh, Arsenal, you know, plus 600 rather than minus 200 on that money line starts to look super juicy, right? So that is one that if you like Arsenal to win here, you don't love any of the other numbers, you don't love Bournemouth on the adjusted, that might be a way to create some value that you actually do want to put down at the window. Yeah, and I mean, Bournemouth, the the other argument for that is Bournemouth is better in attack than defense. So if you're going to bet on one side of Bournemouth doing something well, I would definitely bet on their attackers. All right. Well, I don't know what Manchester United is doing well. So let's hear about uh, whether it's attack or defense or the answer is nothing. They are ninth at nine points versus Crystal Palace, 10th at eight points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. United is minus 180. Palace is plus 490. The draw is plus 300. Caesars has United at minus half a goal. It's staying at minus 180 and Palace at plus 135. So, buddy, I had to shackle you last week since United took their turn rotating out, but now it's time to let you loose. Do you care to share with the world your thoughts on Eric Ten Hag as he tries to weather an off-the-field storm up in Manchester? Uh, first off, I will always be saying hashtag hire Jesse, uh, but <laughs> I, I don't really do this. The, the thing that I really wish is, like, see, we need we need you, the, the audience members, to just tell, like, you know, 2,000 of your closest friends start listening. Because what I want is just for us to have the ability to put a graphic that just shows Manchester United's last starting 11 that had a McTominay-Casemiro double pivot. Yeah. I don't need to say anything. I We just need to show the graphic. And then I can then you can get a, a feel for where United is at. They are so lost right now. They started a Scott McTominay-Casemiro double pivot against Burnley. <laughs> Just put a graphic up. I don't even, we don't need words. Pictures worth a thousand words. Boom. See, they're starting 11 against Burnley. That's the problem with United. I mean, we, we knew this going into it. Their depth was, was slim to, uh, to none behind a, like a starting 11 that had some question marks. That starting 11 has been chipped away from injury and the Anthony situation, the ugly Anthony situation. Um, and, and now we're just seeing crap rolled out essentially uh for one of the richest clubs in the world um i mean i think ten hag has even said that garnacho has been you know kind of not under consideration for the starting 11 because it's poor play i never really thought garnacho was that could begin with if you look at the back fours they've been rolling out like like johnny evans was probably legitimately their best player against burnley yeah johnny freaking evans was their best player against burnley he had the assist bunch of huge clearances like again Pictures worth a thousand words. Just put that up. Put a graphic. So not a donate, fan. Not a, don't, not a fan is what I'm hearing, Brett. Donate to the show so we can do things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, well, for this particular game, we just saw this match in the Caribou Cup on Tuesday. United won three to nil. They're having a nightmare right now. Anything involving Scott McTominay is a nightmare. Johnny Evans, I mean, <laughs> like, when the, like, when the hell is his senior appearance? Like, he, he's been on the team for what? 15 I mean like I don't even no, know. No, I mean he was with Leicester for a while. So he was a free transfer coming back from Leicester when they got relegated. So he has 
he has come full circle to save his boyhood club. Well, that's no, I mean, boyhood, but yeah, I mean, I know he didn't play continuously, but he made his debut at United. Like, it has to be like fifteen years. Yeah, ago. I mean, uh, Evans is thirty-five now. I'll look that up while you continue your point. Jesus. Uh, so they are having the nightmare, but they've got two wins this week, and the team has rallied just the tiniest bit around Ten Hog, demanding that Sancho apologize for whatever happened. And let me tell you something, Brett. Here's something true in life. When you have Harry Maguire telling you you messed up, things have gone really wrong. Things have gone really wrong. This is like, this is like waiting for your court-appointed attorney to show up, and then Rudy Giuliani walks in to represent oh, you. Like when he is the guy, when McGuire is the voice of reason telling you you need to apologize, uh, reevaluate all life choices, A, S, A, and P. Um, and so while they're rallying a little bit, Palace can't stop leaking goals. Three to United, three to Villa, two to Wolves, and two to Plymouth, for God's sakes. They give up two to Plymouth not that long ago. So I don't have any confidence in Manchester United, but I'm contractually obligated to make a pick here. And there's no way I can go with Palace in their current form. So even at a plus number, I have to hold my nose, pass on Palace, and take the United money line at minus 180. Yeah. Uh, and then to to prove that I have too much time on my hands, Johnny Evans is in fact 35 years old. No human being should be able to recall that from the top of their head unless they are the most ardent Manchester United fan. I need help. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the thing about this match that's tricky is like these two teams are right behind each other on the expected goal difference per 90 ta- uh, in the table. Um, but United has played a little bit of a tougher schedule. Palace has had a pretty tough schedule up to this point. Um, also, Michael Lise is still out, and I'm just I just can't buy into these Palace performances. Um, just given the fact that like Jordan Ayew is just rolling out there for 90 minutes still. Look about another guy. Just, he's gonna be the, he's gonna be the Luka Modric of the Premier League again. It'll be like oh, it's uh, September of 2040, and Jordan Ayew is starting for Crystal Palace again. And Johnny Evans um, is still the best center back on Manchester United. On Manchester United. Um, so yeah, I I had to swallow hard. I had to take the uh, the minus point uh, five for for United. I think the way that I would really lean, and it will show up in my five five point, is I think this match is going to be ugly, especially if Scott McTominay is making appearances in a double pivot again. So the both the score no, despite United's shakiness, was minus one hundred five. But if you kind of look at this in a vacuum. Like and look at the the total uh, accumulation of players that are going to be on the pitch, other than Rashford, Bruno Hernandez, and maybe Eze from Palace. Who do you have confidence in scoring a goal? No one, Brett. No one, because I have the exact same prop. So I don't have confidence in anybody. I also think this is insurance against that money line pick. Crystal Palace has struggled to generate much, getting 0.71 XG total in their last two matches. And I'm not counting on United to automatically score here. When Do you know who their leading uh, score is on the season? I know Johnny Evans' age, but I don't know their leading score. Is it Christian Erickson? I don't know. Oh, no, sir. It's Casemiro. Casemiro. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. With the goal. Yeah, freaking- yeah. A freaking yeah. defensive midfielder has twice yeah. as many goals, twice as many goals as anyone else on the team. So until Rashford gets going and uh, Casemiro is apparently leading the line from 80 yards behind the box, they are always going to be a threat to put up a goose egg. So put the two teams together. And I like this number more than the other available options, just like you do. 
Yep. No goals. That's why you come to the show. <laughs> no goals podcast right here. Just bet against goals, bet against fun. But you, you've said this on trendy plug for that show. What is it? Overs make friend, unders make money. That's unders what we're going with right money. here. There you go. And also there's a lot of other good action at 10 a.m. So if you want to watch something else, I would advise it such as the following game, which is Wolves 16th at four points versus Man City first at 18 points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. City is minus 310. Wolves are plus 850. The draw is plus 400. City is minus a goal and a half on the adjusted at minus 105. The Wolves are minus 125. All day, Brett. All day I'm on City on the adjusted line here. All freaking day. Twice on Saturday. Twice on Sunday. As much as I can get down to the window. On an adjusted line against the Wolves that is only minus 105. I actually thought this was the minus 205. uh, I'm sorry, the minus 2.5 number. If the Wolves attack was a doo-wop group, they'd be Neto and the Nopes. And the rest of the team has zero chance of breaking City down, even without Rodri. I almost went with Neto and the Nets. Nets, if they were a Russian group instead. Rodri will be out, but they still have no shot whatsoever. Um, I just do not believe in them. They drew Luton last time out, and now they are playing the single best team in the world. Plus, City is coming off an incredibly rare loss midweek, and they can take it out on the lowly Wolves. So please, please rush me to the window right now. Give me the minus goal to half and minus 105. Yeah, uh, I have nothing different to say. I mean, that's uh, I was shocked at the line. I, it's one of the it's one of the lines that we come across when we do the show sometimes where we're sitting here and we're like, why is this like what is the trickery, the sorcery that's going on behind this that like what is gonna jump out from my closet if I take this line? Um so yeah, I, I'm all on board. I mean, I, I have no faith in in wolves. I just don't think they're very good. The talent train is real. Uh Neto for all his goal scoring saved the Luton Town match when they were down a man due to a red card situation. Um, but he's not a goal scorer. That's not his thing. He is a creative creative winger. Um, so counting on him to be your talisman is not a great idea. And city or city, they're still the best team in the league, probably the best team in the world. Like they're just great. And I don't I don't understand this line. Somebody needs to explain this from the books. Yeah, well, it's not going to be either of us, apparently, which almost guarantees the other side is going to cash. I mean, we can't Absolutely. Wolves are winning this match 2-1. 2-1 um, Wolves. You heard it two, here first. 2-1 Wolves. I, on my prop, Brett, I am going with at least 2-0 to City. So City over 1.5 goals and Wolves under 0.5 goals. You put those together, it is plus 190. The Wolves are so one-dimensional through Neto running down the left and being the only guy who has any creative spark uh, whatsoever. And you just cannot be one-dimensional against Pep. He is going to mark Neto completely out of this match like prime Belichick, which he basically is, but better. In fact, Brett, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and I think it's basically inarguable at this point that Pep is the best manager in the world in any sport full stop. You combine the results with the level of difficulty in doing it in the world sport, Um, and I just don't think it's even that hot a take, but it's not one that you likely hear given the disconnect between the world sports coverage and the American sports coverage. Like nobody, when you're talking about best coach in America is bringing out Pep Guardiola and that's most of what our audience likely consumes. So I don't know. Do you think that's that hot a take or do you agree with me that it's it's inarguably the best manager or best coach in all of sports right now? I, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before the show, like, I I mean, it's active managers. I feel like there's probably no argument. 
you might get some like Phil Jackson truthers out there, but I don't really see the. I mean, I, we're we're soccer people. We're going to be biased a little bit, but I don't really see it. I can't imagine it. I mean, he has led dominating teams throughout different leagues over multiple decades. I I just don't, I just don't see the counter argument. Like that's the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think I. I think somebody who we were having this discussion, I think somebody would throw somebody like Nick Saban out or some other college coaches that have had sustained runs of success. But the difference between Pep and Saban is Pep doesn't have a Dolphins on his resume. Like Saban went to the NFL and got his teeth kicked in and he went and he went back down to college where he started dominating again. Pep doesn't have any of that. Every league that he has gone to, trophies have followed, trebles have followed, and it doesn't matter where he goes. It doesn't matter in the infrastructure when he arrives. He molds it. He takes the clay that he has. He turns it into the best possible version of it, and he just wins freaking titles. And so, like, you can throw Saban out. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I'm not going to pretend like I know every single thing about women's college basketball, but I know Gino Ariema. Can I say that name? I probably cannot. Gino Ariema had a sustained run of excellence, but you've got to go down to like that level before I think you find anything competitive. You're not finding it in the NFL, not even Belichick in my mind. You're not finding it in Major League Baseball. You're not finding it in the NBA. You've got to mine pretty deep to even have a discussion about this because Pep is so dominant. Yeah, and I mean, and both those, I mean, college football is essentially a professional sport with the amount of money in it. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, but both of those are among college athletics, which I think is a different landscape to dominate, too. Um, pretty sure Pep would dominate college soccer pretty easily. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think in terms of the realm of professional sports, like, it, it's not even like a take where people are going to be like, oh, man, you're really reaching there, like. The reach would be who are you arguing against it, <laughs> you know? So, all right, come at me, bro. Come at me, internet. Take the other side of this. Somebody argue with me because it ain't going to be Brett. Who are you going to take, or what are you going to take for your prop in this game? Uh, the clean sheet. Uh, Wolves are on the bottom five in terms of all the kind of non XG related things like touches in the penalty area, carries into the penalty area, passes into the penalty area, touches in the attacking third. And they're going against the world's most suffocating team. <laughs> um, so that number, those numbers are going to be uh, accentuated. And it's a plus number. Like, I just, Ederson, obviously, the intermatch will always just be the thing that is the, the knife in my side <laughs> with the Ederson comments I've made. Um, but they're plus 107. I just, like, when, when they play a team that's not a good attacking team, you're getting plus money. I just, right, I can't shy away. You're what? leaving money on the table. Co-sign my bet. If you love them on the adjusted and you love the clean sheet, why wouldn't you combine them for the plus 190? Are you really that afraid of 1-0? Or do you think that the that city and the juggernaut that they are are not going to hit at least twice in this game? I am afraid of the Jose Sa Black Magic. <laughs> because the Wolves had that season where they were like, 10 goals below expectation because saw was an ama- like saved a bunch and then opponents just missed a bunch of shots. And so the, this idea, the thing when I looked at this match, I, cause I, I, I was thinking about your bet when you're talking about that, I was like, well, maybe I should just change to that and steal Toby's still Toby's ideas, which I do constantly in and out of this show. Um, but it's like, the thing I always worried about is like, this is the type of black magic team where I could see City having like 30 shots in one goal. So I think the clean sheet solo at plus money is enough value that you can kind of fade that scenario. Um, so I do, I do like, I just do like the, the pure clean sheet with the one nil. 
All right. Well, Vikings aren't afraid of black magic. And if you want to go all the way here, uh, you want to throw Holland in there as well and make this a three-way, that gets you up to plus 260, another Ooh. number I really like. Toby out oh. here making money. All right. Well, I don't know if I'm going to make money on this, but I am going to have a ton of fun watching the Bundesliga this week. So let's take our second break, give our sponsors a little love, and then let us head to Germany for a ton of action. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Brett, we teased it at the top of the show, and now it's time to pay it off. We have RB Leipzig, who is fourth in the Bundesliga right now at 12 points, versus Bayern First at 13 points. This game is Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Bayern is minus 108. Leipzig is plus 240. The draw is plus 305. Bayern minus half a goal is minus 110. And Leipzig is minus 120. So you talked about a little bit at the talk about how Ger- at the top about how Germany doesn't like them. Leipzig is a fascinating club with the multi-club model, but they're still a bit of a selling club, even with this model with them at the top of it. They're just constantly replenishing enough to be competitive in all of these competitions. But if you look at their alumni, it's incredible. It's Kimmich, it's Nkunku, it's, uh, it's um, Josko, it's Nabikeda, it's Uma, Uma Mekano. It's Sobaslai. It's Kanate. That wasn't bad. I got through most of those all right. Yeah. These are all guys that came through Leipzig on their way to massive clubs, and they're having a bit of a down cycle right now to my eye, Brett. Danny Almo is probably their most exciting player, but he's hurt along with the legend Timo Warner. After Timo kicked a ball into the net instead of the stands last game, I assume he's out with a horrible case of shock. I hope he's going to be okay because that thing can linger for a long time. PSG Looney, um, Simons is the guy you'll want to keep your eye on in this match. He is a 20-year-old right winger who has three goals and four assists in five matches. That is my read on uh, on Leipzig this year and where they're currently at. Like They have their ups. They have their downs. This seems to be a little bit down to me, but what would you tell the fans about the multi-club model in their current state? Uh, I mean, 
Leipzig, the whole network from the New York team to the Austrian team to obviously RB Leipzig here in Germany are pretty well respected in terms of their scouting recruitment model. I mean, um, RB Salzburg, the Austrian club, has been kind of a thorn in the bigger club's paw uh, in terms of Champions League group stages. You know, that's where Holland kind of cut his teeth before he went to Dortmund. Um and so they 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 do get a ton of credit for this this kind of churning out all this young talent. But as you mentioned the names, three of those names all left this summer. And that is Christopher Nkanku, uh Josco uh, Vardial, who went to City, and then Dominic Sobosai, who went to Liverpool. That is a ton of talent to lose. And I don't care how great your little club setup is. It is hard to do that, and I think because of that, RB Leipzig is going to be taking a step back this year. Um, they also the one of the best players I thought on Salzburg was Noah Okafer, and instead of kind of moving up a club and, and going to Leipzig in Germany, AC Milan actually snuck in and got him. Um, so I think even within their own little setup, they didn't do a great job of kind of uh, recruiting the the best talent they had in their system to carry forward. So this is a different team, I, I think. In the past, you'd get these Leipzig teams that would have like sort of these super exciting collection of young players. And, and you know, in Luis Opienda, in Simons, who you mentioned, like they do have a couple of young talents in the attacking side. But this team is weird in that they're going to just be more solid defensively, I think, this year. And it's sort of played out in their underlying numbers. They, they're overshooting their expected goals um, in attack by about eight goals. Uh, but defensively, they only allowed a little of five inch in chains and chances. And when you look at their back line, like it's just it's a very solid group. It's it's Benjamin Heinrichs, um, Will Orban, who's been a constant for the Hungarian national team and for Leipzig, uh, is on the other side. <clears throat> Sorry, their left back, David Rom, is kind of one of their, their primary creators. He'll handle a lot of their set pieces. Um, and then whenever you have a French center back, any anytime there's a French center back, they're going to be good. And that's what they have in uh, Simican. So they're, they're back for solid. Kevin Campbell still running around as their defensive midfield. Um, I mean, he's 32 now. He's not the same midfield destroyer that he once was. But this is going to be definitely a contrasting group compared to not only Byron, but like the old Leipzig teams. Yeah. Well, comparing them to Byron, I mean, monsters, just an absolutely monstrous club. This is pretty, pretty widely recognized as probably the second best club in the world right now. Uh, after City and the way that they've been on a current run and the current players they have. And then they added, obviously, like fan favorite, uh, show favorite, legend of the Premier League, Harry Kane in the offseason, even though the Spurs still haven't spent that money, which led to their suspension. But Kane is just absolutely lighting the Bundesliga up, which probably shouldn't be a surprise given how prolific he is and how kind of much easier and open that league uh, is compared to the Premier League. Seven goals three assists in just five matches. He's embedding beautifully. And he's next to Leroy Sané, Alfonso Davies, Kimmich, Kingsley Komen, who looks absolutely electric out on the wing. And they're just monsters. And they're almost all in, the, you know, in their exact primes. I know Davies is still aging into it. But the rest of these guys are at the peak of their powers. They have the legendary Thomas Mueller, who is out with an injury right now. But I still wanted to shout him out for just a minute because we don't talk about Byron often. And he's one of my favorite players for over a decade now. Byron averaged three. 3.6 goals a match in the league, and they can see just 0.8. They finished each year atop virtually every major category in the Bundesliga. You can set your watch by it. In fact, 
Brett, this is the biggest problem by far with the league. Byron is way too dominant. They have won the league 11 straight seasons, and along with PSG are the biggest like reasons that we should have a Super League because they're just too giant for their domestic league, which sinks the perception of the entire league around them since it's completely non-competitive. And of course, it doesn't help that the rest of the league is a glorified farm system, naturally adopting a surrender Cobra position whenever Byron wants a guy versus negotiating to the death whenever a Premier League team comes calling. It's legit bizarre. It's as if the Yankees dropped a triple A and had all the prospects from all the baseball fed to them and then just got to show up and still play in the MLB playoffs. But as long as that's a dynamic, it would take a ton more juice in any game for me to not back them yet again. So at minus 108, this looks like a gift to me. Wow. We're on different sides of this. Um, I actually, I actually like the, the Leipzig money line. And the reason being, um, I think Byron's been a little bit of flat track goalies so far this year. Um, they've basically played three. Oh, I hate saying good, but three teams sort of on their level. Um, that's Leipzig in the first round of the super cup in which Leipzig won three now. Now Harry came in play there. Um, yep. Then they played United in the champions league, which is four, three. And they've paid uh, Leverkusen, who is probably the team that has the best chance of kind of uh, pushing them for a title this year. And they played them even. Um, so, they, you know, we mentioned the Bochum game before. That was a 7-0 drubbing. Even on the XG, it was 4.8 to 0.1. Um, Bochum is going to be one of the teams. I mean, Bayern could, could have had 12 goals in that game. They actually underperformed and they had seven goals. Like, that game was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like those numbers this early in the season – are why like XG is tricky to read because it, you know, there's schedule imbalances and one game can really skew stuff. And so their numbers look incredible, but like when you kind of look at them against the actual good teams and just, and just subjectively watching them, like they didn't look overpowering against United. They didn't look overpowering against Leverkusen. So I think the fact that this is a way to Leipzig um, and they might just be a little bit of a flat track bully. I mean, one of the things that's been happening for them, too, uh, is they have a young kid named Matthias Tell, who's kind of been their super sub. And I, I believe he has three goals on about like 0.5 XG <laughs> coming off the bench. Um, so I think like that's going to be something where those things are kind of standing out. They're making them look like this overpowering juggernaut that's going to take over the league. But I'm sort of going to take Leipzig on the money line, betting that the closer approximation of how good Bayern are have been their matches against teams that could actually like feel the competitive squad against them and not so much the teams that they absolutely just trucked that are going to be mid-table or lower in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I wish you a lot of luck with that. You just took the team that you said was in a down cycle that just bled all their talent that you crapped all I didn't over say they were necessarily in a down cycle. I said they're going to be very different from the teams we've seen in the past. Okay, well, the, the teams we saw in the past also lost to Byron, so I think they're going to be very <laughs> similar in that regard. Uh, on the prop side, blind over on goals. Blind over on goals. Like if it's if I'm gonna spend my Saturday afternoon watching German soccer, there's no way I'm making the under. You're right. I do say that uh overs make friends and unders make money. I am here for this game to make friends, just like I was last week. Actually, it wasn't last week. Last week, I think I took the under, but I was um, in the Milan Derby. So it seems like a lot of goals over three and a half is plus one oh five. But the Bayern games are just insane. They've hit this number in six of the seven matches. There might be a flat track bully element, as you've already mentioned. But because Leipzig did put three past them, I like it even more. 
if Leipzig is going to continue to the, contribute to this party and Leipzig is going to strike once or twice, then I love the over. I would take the adjusted over if I really thought I could count on RB to, to get in here. And as I said earlier, like there appear to not be center backs in this league, French or otherwise. Um, I don't understand how much space they have. I don't understand how easy it is to attack down the middle. And like overall, it just feels like this is kind of like watching an NBA draft prospect uh, get drafted really high after submitting videos of him posting up a chair. I guess, like, I guess he has post moves, but we don't know because there's no defense. And I get to bet on the chair and the player here, like, getting over 20 points in a workout. So, yes, give me the over on the three and a half. It's going to be super fun. And if it's going to be fun, you got to go with the over. Yeah. And uh, once again, I just am a huge fan of apparently losing money because I'm going the other direction and sort of going against the grain of the big meta trend and looking more specifically at some of those matches against bigger clubs, Leipzig's been pretty shut down uh, in their early matches so far. And even the, the match that they won 3-0 against Bayern in the Super Cup, uh, which would make which would hit the under in this game, the, the, the number of shots was what I really took away from that, is there was only about 22 combined shots between the two clubs. So it wasn't like this was this back-and-forth game where there's like, 15 to 20 shots in one of the teams, you know, hitting over that 30, 35 mark in terms of total number of shots. Like when you don't have XG numbers for, for matches like that, it's hard to really pinpoint what was going on, but the shot totals still tell you a little bit of a story. Um, and I do think like, like I said, both these teams are overperforming their expected goal totals by a ton, about 13 combined goals in attack. So, so the under of three and a half, I mean, this game, the, the range of outcomes is pretty pretty big in terms of 1-1. 2-2 is probably the one that most consistently beats you the most. But I like 2-1 either direction as kind of a huge reign of the, this outcome. And that fits squarely in the under. So I, it's not great juice, but I, I just feel like this sort of blip of massive amounts of goals with the way that Leipzig plays is going to kind of run counter to that narrative. All right. Well... Speaking of blips, you are beating me in the five pipe for once, Brett. And oh, must be good segue. Here. Uh, going into the last match day of September, you are up eight units on me and six units on the house, which is really impressive. As a result, I have to do a bit of chasing here. I cannot park the bus. So even though I am opening up on the attack and have lots of plus numbers, I do have to play it just slightly safe as things that are very close to even. One, I'm going with Byron on the money line at minus 108. And then I'm going United and Palace, both teams to score, which has been bet down from plus 105 to minus 105. From there is when I'm really going to start taking my swings to try to catch up to you. These are my long balls down the middle, hoping for a penalty. I've got Arsenal money line versus um, plus Odegaard shot on target at plus 117. Then I've got the City over 1.5 goals, Wolves under 0.5 goals. So basically City wins on a clean sheet at least 2 to nil at plus 190. And then I am taking Salah on the anytime assist at plus 310 as my real way to try to make up this difference on the last game of the month. How are you counteracting that, Brett? Are you parking the bus? You got a lot of minus 500s coming my way? Uh, my, my slate is going to be pretty conservative, just mostly because that's where the, that's where the spreadsheets took me, Toby. No, there's no, there's no game theory going on here. Um, yeah, but mine for this week are going to be the, the, um, I'm going to cancel you out again, not game theory just happened that way. The both teams have scored. No United palace minus one Oh five. I just, that's just seems like a bet you have to make really at this point. Um, I am taking my one long shot though. 
is every time I bet it, it hasn't hit. Every time I don't bet it, it does. So you are going to catch up to me here. Uh, the Liverpool come from behind win uh, is plus 625. So I'm going to take a shot. If I hit that, it's curtains for you probably. If I don't, if I don't, you have a you have a, a sliver to, to climb back in here. Uh, but then I'm going to back a good team to go do a good thing. I'm not going to parlay them to be safe. I'm taking City at minus 1.5 and then the City clean sheet uh, win at plus 107. And then the last one, because we talk about it, because we're traveling abroad, I have to bet it. I am going against the trend. I'm continuing to open the door for you. The under of three and a half goals in Leipzig, Byron, at minus 125 for a pint. All right. Head down to the most action-packed league in the world and spend your Saturday rooting for an under. That sounds like a <laughs> good freaking time. It's still, it's still three goals if the under hits, man. That's not nothing. It's not no. Burnley United 1-0. That's not nothing. I will give you that. So you might have noticed that the, as you were listening to the show that Covered in Glory is now on its own feed. So if you are out there recruiting friends, so Brett can just run graphics, whatever the hell he was talking about there. Uh, <laughs> you tell them to search for Covered in Glory. We're on every major podcast platform. If you are hearing this and you were subscribed to Money Grab, you don't have to do anything because we just converted Money Grab's name. Uh, make sure you go out and listen to the fastest 15-minute pregame show that Hench and Damashek have been doing. That's also excellent. And tune in tomorrow for the uh, finale of Trendy as I am laying a smackdown on Katie Mox, although she still has a chance to come back on me based on tonight's Thursday night football game in Football Americano. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and we will be back one more time before the international break with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, everyone.